Hi, everyone. This is Josh Hoffman, and welcome to the Masters in Marketing Agency podcast. Today, I have David Warshawski, the CEO of Warshawski, a full-service marketing communication firm that has repeatedly been ranked the number one U.S. agency year after year. David also runs W Ventures, a one-of-a-kind accelerator, and is a professor at Johns Hopkins University. Welcome, David. Thank you. Nice to be here, Josh. Thank you for coming on. Uh, so I want to start off with a question about one of your other professions, which is the being a professor. Um, and I'm, I'm curious what lessons or strategies you've taught differently in the classroom uh, based on changes that you've made to the firm or vice, vice versa. So uh, maybe you've taught something initially and realized it was incorrect or the industry changed uh, and you had to make changes. So uh, take that where you may. Great question. So one of the main things is to focus on business first, because marketing communications should be a function that serves business goals or needs. And often when you're teaching about marketing, people get stuck in the weeds of marketing and don't attach it really nicely to how business is done. So that's been something that definitely has been an emphasis for me. And the second one that I would say is we really want to get people familiar familiar and competent at digital marketing. It's an area that's so quickly growing and is a necessity that young students understand and get involved with. They don't have to become an expert, but they have to understand how it works, what to think about, and how it fits into an overall marketing communications structure. And today, I think if you're learning in marketing communications and that you don't have a foundation in digital marketing, you're never going to be a great pro. Do you mind pulling out and describing a little bit more of the difference between digital marketing and uh, the rest of the marketing field? Sure. So most of the time we're talking about complex backend stuff. Most people in our business would refer to it as SEM or SEO work, anything that's paid versus organic and the different techniques that you can use in order to very specifically target your target audience. So how do you find them? How do you then make sure that they're the right demographic, the right psychographic for your brand, and then attack those target audiences very specifically so you get a a very measurable ROI? And that's an important part that we want students to understand is marketing communications, when performed at its best, has to have a corollary ROI. It's never going to be perfect. Anybody who tells you you can measure marketing perfectly is lying. It's not true but you can get a very good sense of what works and what doesn't work if you understand sophisticated digital marketing. Because all the other functions can tie into or can be related to it in order to measure components of them. Definitely want to uh, pull on that ROI comment in a second. But I also want to know on the same note, uh, what have you learned from like the investing VC world that you either brought to the firm or again, vice versa? So we were very fortunate during the course of our firm's more than 25-year history to build many amazing brands and see them either go public and help them go public or to get sold. And we always obviously were paid nicely along the journey, but didn't have any part of the exit. And we said after a while, we have such strong expertise in building these brands from the ground up. Why don't we do this ourselves? And that's what led to W Ventures, some other reasons as well. But one of the primary drivers was that. And ultimately, one of the things that we've learned is marketing for an early stage company is incredibly important because if you don't understand very early on how to position yourself, what your brand is, what's the emotion you're trying to create with a very specific target audience, and that's not well done through all of the marketing communications channels, everything else falls by the wayside. You can have a great product, you know, it's the 
what everybody talks about, you have the best looking ice cream store in the middle of the desert is great, but you're not going to get any customers. So it's been really valuable. And since we opened up, I've been overwhelmed by the amount of amazing decks that we're seeing because so many early stage companies know they need this. We do it in exchange for equity. There are no other serious firms that we're aware of that do that. So it's really something they're looking for. And when they find out that we will both invest in them in cash and we will do marketing communications in exchange for equity, it opens up a, a, a tremendous amount of doors for us. Oh, I love that. Um, I, I came from the Amazon world and we're, they're seeing a similar type movement where a lot of these agencies, uh, maybe their brands are actually getting acquired from this new aggregator space uh, and they're not really getting a piece of that. So they're trying to figure out how they can, uh, whether it's, it's raising money on their own in the buying or, or getting a piece of, you know, that's my client and I help them grow. Um, so can I have a piece of, of the finder sphere or whatever it is? So, um, yeah, I think, I think anything that kind of touches the marketing and agency space is kind of, you say, okay, how can I take advantage more of the th- the great things that I'm doing? Um, and on that note, I guess I, I would love to ask you, um, how did you originally get started in digital marketing? Uh, and then a little bit more about your firm. Sure. So uh, I hate to say it, but we're more than 25 years old. So you get a sense of how long ago I started my career. I was very fortunate to cut my teeth in two of the biggest agencies in New York City, learned a ton, worked on great clients, but also learned some of the things that I thought should be done differently. And I really wanted to go out and test those ideas. Um, we started the firm now it's approximately 27 years ago. And thankfully, it's the best decision that I've made. Everything has turned out phenomenally, obviously bumps along the way, like any business that grows from one person to being the number one agency in the country for multiple years. But it's been a wonderful journey and learned and grown so much throughout this process. The one thing that we do very differently than most agencies is we are not siloed. We are a full-service marketing communications agency under one roof. That means you can have PR, you can do creative, you can do development, websites, app development. We'll do the digital marketing. We actually do the in-house photography and videography, but it's all under one roof. But what really drove me crazy in big agency life, and it's only gotten worse over the years, and I think it's a real danger, actually, for the industry itself, is this silification of the different agencies, and especially young people coming into the profession, getting stuck in specific silos and not seeing the breadth of how all the disciplines need to hang together. Our argument, very simple one, consumer today does not buy or make a decision based on one specific channel. It's what we call surround sound. They're being influenced in multiple different spheres. And if you are not good at coordinating that 360, you're never going to have the best possible ROI. So we really are not fans of the silification, work very hard to break down those silos. Uh, well, I guess on that note, uh, you know, being full service, uh, attempting not to be siloed, how is there anything on the hiring aspect that you kind of make sure you're looking for, best practices, things like that? That's a great question. And it's honestly, growingly becoming more and more difficult to find those special professionals who have cross-functional expertise and experience, specifically because young people coming up are trained in one vertical. They apply to us and they've been in PR. 
and PR only, or they apply to us and all they've done is web development or digital marketing. All are great. And their experience in there is deep and good, but they have no understanding of how it connects with all the other disciplines. They don't know what they need from the creative. They've never really actually directly talked and strategized with the creative. They've been told by someone what the creative thinks they should do, and then they execute upon it. In our mind, that's a lot of wasted time. It's a lot of wasted energy. It does not create the best possible results for clients. So indeed, in our hiring, we're looking for two things. The first is they have to have at least two or three different core functional expertise areas. They can't just be a one tool player, borrowing from an NBA um, analogy. You got to have multiple tools. That's the first thing we're looking for. And the second thing is we look for people who are on their own entrepreneurial and rapidly curious because the people who are curious and the people who are entrepreneurial, we'll give them every chance to learn what they need to learn. But if you don't have that natural born curiosity, you tend to stand, stay in your lane. But the people we hire actually want to get out of their lanes and say, well, I know this, but I want to go see this. And to that end, we actually allow people from all different disciplines, even when it's not necessary to sit in meetings, including allowing junior people to sit in specific meetings only for the purpose of learning. Obviously, they're not billable to the client for doing that, but we think it makes for much stronger teams down the, uh, down the road. Uh, I'm going to butcher even the paraphrase, but uh, I think Albert Einstein said that he was no smarter than anyone. He was just more curious. Um, so I, I think that makes sense. And I think you already answered. And I could, I could fully agree with that. I, I'll, 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 hopefully I can come out with more uh, uh, Albert Einstein quotes in this uh, in this interview. But um, well, I think you already answered kind of the next question I had with that, which is, do you help teach these core expertises? You said that you let uh, some of these people in the room, and I know you have a pretty good internship program. Uh, anything you would add on, on that side? A hundred percent. One of the questions we sort of hate and laugh at at the same time is when we get asked, tell us about your mentorship program. And our answer is always, if someone has a program for mentorship, run. Because mentorship is not a program. Mentorship is an all the time activity. If you're learning to be a doctor and you only get to see a patient every other day with, with, with your lead physician, what are you learning? You need to be in every meeting with a patient, in this case with a client, and it needs to be happening all the time. So we are very proactive in providing opportunities for junior team members and senior team members, giving them constructive feedback. We want them to learn. And we also have a very open door policy where we always tell people there are no bad questions. We rather you, you might not know about this in your area. Come and ask us. You lose zero points. In fact, it actually bolsters how we view you, that you are naturally curious and you want to grow. So we have people, including my COO, who's been with me nearly since the inception of the agency, who started as a very junior person, who's just grown and grown and grown. She's phenomenal, phenomenal, insatiably curious, amazing businesswoman. And she took advantage of everything that we had to offer. And as a result, is probably one of the top marketing communications professionals in the country at this point. We'll make sure to get this uh, this recording over to her. 
Um, uh, well, on that note, on, on starting uh, from the beginning and everything and going back a few steps, how did you get the firm started? Uh, you can either say this is how I got the first client. This is the idea that it came, whatever you want to, it would take that. Um, obviously, this is more for kind of starting the marketing agency and, and not really sure. talking about like the customer profiles and everything like that on the marketing side, but more about starting the business. So um, anything you would want to add on how you started the business and, and, or anything there? Sure. So when I left big agency life, I had non-competes. So I couldn't take any clients with me. I had to start from ground zero. It was just me hitting the streets, building the relationships, playing off of relationships that I had to win one client after another. And in short order, we really grew the profile of the clients we were able to win and the quality of the people we were able to hire to support it that in a very short amount of time, we were winning agency of record for companies like Adidas. And people were sort of like, whoa, how did that happen? Who, who are these people? And we were very proud to be able to grow very quickly in that manner. And one of the takeaways in starting an agency, nobody should ever think that it's an easy process. And I tell folks all the time, when I told my peers at my agency, I was leaving to start my own agency. They all thought I was bananas. I had a very good p position working with great clients. I was fairly young. They thought, you are insane. How old? I was 28. And they said, why are you doing this? And my heart was just so strongly there that I was ready to do it and wanted to try these different approaches that I went for it. And as I said earlier, it was one of the best decisions I've ever made. But that process is incredibly time consuming. You have to hit the streets. You got to build. You got to be on all the time. So I tell people all the time when they come to me and say, I'm thinking of starting my own agency. I'm thinking about striking out on my own. I say, the best thing that happened to me in some ways was I didn't know what I didn't know. If you would have told me all the things that were going to go into me having to start an agency, I probably would have thought twice or three times about doing it. But sort of being young and hungry and wanting it badly enough is an amazing substitute for those things. And it allows you to accomplish things that had you told me ahead of time what I was going to be facing, I would have probably said, uh, OK, maybe not now. My, my side of the ballgame is, you know, uh, sure, there's obviously that, you know, you have to do sales uh, and, you know, you have to have the concept and, you know, you have to have the talent. Uh, but you can put all those together and that does not mean that you want or know operational side of everything from P&Ls to... HR. Uh, that's that's right. the point that I was like, this is not, <laughs> I didn't find that as much as interesting uh, as, as the rest of the expertise stuff. Um, so but I will tell you that one of the best things that's come out of it for me at an early age, being forced to learn all of these things, is made me a much better business person and made me very much understand the client's perspective and the business perspective of what they were looking for. Because I was facing the same challenges. I was experiencing the same things. I was using the same terminology. Now I'm speaking to a peer as opposed to I'm a marketing communications professional. And for us as an agency, that's a huge differentiator. We come to the table as a business-oriented marketing communications agency, an agency that wants to help you move the needle from point A to point B, be able to successfully measure it. Doing things that make you look nice, feel good, are great. But we always tell people, I rather make an incredibly ugly ad. And by the way, we make beautiful ads too. But I much rather have made, and I would be very proud to have made a what I would consider an ugly ad that has tremendous ROI. Because that's what we're in the profession of. 
winning awards happens and should, and thankfully we've won well more than our share of awards for our work. But the focus has to be on driving business results. And that often means doing things in ways that marketing communications people aren't usually thinking about doing or aren't inclined to want to do. Well, I'll pull on that and go back to the ROI stuff um, and business metrics and all that. And is there anything that you see that a lot of times other marketing firms maybe lack uh, when it comes to the ROI game? I think there are two main things. It's really the fundamental understanding of business and the breadth of business and the language of business. Um, if you don't understand all of the terminology, you, you haven't experienced these things firsthand. It's different. You know, it's sort of like trying to explain to somebody what it feels like to play Major League Baseball until you've tried to hit a Major League Baseball fastball. You can explain it. You can kind of understand it. But until you did it, and know what goes into it, it's a different story. So I think having people who come from a strong business background, our EVP, um, our COO, our business people first, our EVP comes from a finance background. He comes from numbers and from math and from finance and from business because that's where our focus is first. Now considered one of the top 10 digital marketing um, practitioners in the country, and he's learned that because of his natural curiosity and inclination for numbers. But we wanted somebody who had that basis. So I would say, first and foremost, you really got to understand business and have been there and hire people who know and have real world experience doing business. Second, I would say is it's a real problem today. Many clients, and they end up coming to us after experiencing this, they're working with a creative team. They're working with a digital team. They're working with a traditional PR team. It's not that any one of these are bad, but the economies of scale and ROI are lost throughout that process. We can combine all three of those for less money and get better ROI because they're well-coordinated. I'll give you one example of something we see that is a good example of this. There are many great creative shops. And some potential clients will come to us and say, we worked with this agency. They created a great brand headline. They created what we think is our perfect billboard ad and that we want to use in some form or another across all the digital media that we're going to do. They share with us what it is. We look at it for a minute and we all look around the room and kind of figure out who wants to be the one to tell them this. We say, it's, it's beautiful, it's lovely, but this will not work across all the digital mediums because it cannot be resized or used appropriately. All digital ads at a minimum have to be resized into 11 different shapes and sizes. And if you don't know how to design for that, you made a beautiful ad, but we have to take it apart <laughs> and in many ways, either retrofit or work from scratch on what's been created. So no bad intent on the creative agency who created it, no bad intent on the digital agency that needs to do it. But think about what could have been accomplished if either side was talking to one another and knew what the requirements were to make this successful. That is two baseball references. So uh, that triggers me to ask, who is your favorite team and do you have a favorite player of all time? Sure. Um, I, I was I'm a lifelong Orioles fan. I'm very happy that yesterday we got an opening day win at, at home. We did not win our true opening day, 
but definitely Orioles fan. Uh, I have many favorites, but we were very fortunate to work for someone who I think epitomizes the game. Uh, we worked with Cal Ripken, I was gonna say, has to Senior, Cal. and uh, he's a gentleman, and in my mind, represents the best of what Bal- what baseball in Baltimore is about. Are you allowed to share any of the projects? Uh, uh, we, we worked with him on lots of marketing communications projects over the course of his career and after his career. Uh, Philly, Philly's fan over here. Um, speaking of Adidas, I won't, I won't hold that against you. ALNL. So we're basically two different. Well, now not really two different sports anymore with the with the DH coming right. over, but um, we, we can we can be friends still. Uh, I also okay. hate the Yankees. So um, sorry, Yan- Yankee fans. Uh, you mentioned Adidas, um, and and I guess I just wanted to kind of understand uh, the difference between working with like established and bigger brands versus maybe smaller or growing brands. Oh, that's a great question. And one of the interesting things that actually has shown up, one of the reasons we wanted to start W Ventures is exactly in line with what we've talked about. I wanted our folks to have real world business experience, helping to build a company from the ground up. I wanted them to be a part of that journey and see what needs to be thought about in order to make that successful. The funny thing today is we can offer some of our team members, you could work on a large national client like Dole Foods, which is great, and they're a wonderful client and a lot of fun. Or you could work on one of these early stage startups that barely has any revenue. And very often they'll say, I want to work for the startup. It's exciting. I'm getting to build something. So each one has obviously its pros and cons, but I think especially for true creative people, there's a sort of excitement that comes with building something with a smaller agency. Now, there are plenty of large clients that we work with who are very entrepreneurial, allow us to be incredibly creative, are great partners. So I don't want to say that that doesn't happen on the larger side. But more often than not, the smaller ones need to be more agile. They don't have certain systems in places and sort of rules and regs they have to follow, which makes it often a little bit more exciting and more free-flowing. But plenty of our large clients, whether they're banks, whether they're universities, uh, whether they're food, whatever they may be, whether they're sports and sports apparel, we have different shapes and sizes. And when people ask us, well, who's your favorite client and what kind of client do you want to work on? My answer is, what would you say if I asked you who your favorite kid is? Each one is special. Each one's unique. And each one is one that you love and want to make sure they're as successful as possible. That's how we look at our clients. That was that was nice of you. If you asked me uh, who my favorite client was, I could probably give you an answer <laughs> <laughs> for each of the companies. Uh, I guess on the other other side, uh, then we're, we're, you never we're, tell your other kids who your favorite. No, 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 client. no, no. And and that that client also doesn't really know. But had you answer, asked me that question, I, I would have an answer. Right. <laughs> um, so on the other side, what is the benefit of working maybe with a smaller agency? Dep- doesn't really matter. Or if you want to separate it between the established brands and the, and the smaller brands. Uh, but what is the benefit of working maybe with a smaller agency versus larger agency? Well, I think devil's in the details here. It always depends on the quality of the people and the way things are structured. So you can have some very large, great agencies. But in my general experience, when you have a smaller team, more senior folks, you're going to get more hands-on attention from the senior folks. I bill out at a blended rate where if I'm in my old job, I'm close to $750 to $1,000 an hour. I bill out at the same rate as some of our most junior people because our focus is not 
how can we build the most per person? Our goal is to get the best results for the client because they'll want more hours of our time. So I think a lot of smaller agencies like us believe in having skin in the game and having very senior people front forward. So we do not believe we're actually very against the idea of the account executive who is just the mouthpiece. Whoever is leading one of our accounts is a very senior person who has cross-functional expertise and has worked on many, many clients working across disciplines. So when you call that person nine out of 10 times, they're going to know the answer right away when you have a question. The traditional agency model, when you call and ask about a web development issue, they'll say, I'll call you right back. And they have to call the web developers and say, how do we do this? And then they play a game of phone tag and call, call back the client and say, this is what they told me. We actually say, if you don't know the answer to one of the people who's leading an account, put our head of web development on the phone. Talk all together directly and get it sorted out because that's a five-minute call as opposed to a day or two before we figure out how we're going to approach that. And we've wasted everybody's time. It's not great from a billing standpoint for the client. So we're very results-oriented. Frontline people know what they're talking about. If they need to go get an answer, we don't necessarily want them to just go ask and report back. We ask them, and often some of our client calls will be very short but we'll have three or four very senior people on the call. So we get it figured out and then everybody's off and running and is coordinated in what they're doing. And that sadly in my book is not the norm in agency life today, but it should be. Uh, I would extend that. And, and what I was going to say to that is I would extend that and say, not just agency, but uh, salespeople, even the good salespeople uh, tend to not have, a, maybe not don't have other skills. And we are literally trained to say, let me get back to you on that. Right. Uh, which to your exact point is not is not just getting back. It's the whole supply chain of that answer. You could almost say that that's going to take a while. Um, I guess supply chain is just on my mind with, with the last couple of years. Uh, so as we start to come to an end, uh, I just want to ask you a couple more questions. Uh, so if you had to teach something to other marketers, what would it be? Boy, that's a big question. I, I asked really, the professor. <laughs> it really, it really depends where they're coming from. You know, one of the downsides in our profession that I try and explain to people is if you're a lawyer, we at least know you had to go to law school and we know you at least had to pass the bar in the state in order to practice. Marketing communications, you can hang up a shingle and say you're an SEO expert, you're a marketing expert, and maybe you do know some things. We also have no control over who trained you to assess what the quality is. You know, could you imagine if you say, I need to go see a doctor and somebody decided to be a doctor and you went to see them? Maybe they know what they're doing, but odds are that they probably don't. So it really depends where the marketing folks are coming from. Listen, there are tons of incredibly bright, very talented, well-diversified professionals out there. And I don't think I have anything to teach or to add to them. But I do think that there are a lot of folks today who are overly siloed. I would love for their agencies or for them to be able to break out of those silos, get cross-functional experience. We tell people all the time, if all you do is media buying and you do that for the first three to four years of your career, the chance of you becoming a head of marketing in-house somewhere are slim to none. Probably the only place you can go is in-house to be, again, a media buyer or to go move up the agency chain and become a senior media buyer, maybe the VP of media buying, but that's it. If you're cross-functional, 
you can become the CMO, which is a much more exciting, much broader, much better paying job for a Fortune 500 company. You can become the president of a very large agency. So if there's one thing I would say is I think it's time for us in the profession to get back out of our little fiefdoms and come back together and say, how do we solve problems holistically through marketing communications? We have an amazing toolbox we carry around. We need to know which tools to take out in order to get or to solve the problem that's been presented to you. And until you understand what each of those tools do, how you can use them together, you're never going to be the best pro you can be. I think it's really interesting. I think there's definitely something to learn that uh, that you just keep coming back to the employee talent, their skill set, and making sure that they have, uh, if they're not where they need to be, that they have the tools, as you just said, to, to get there. So I, I think there's definitely a lot uh, there that probably break down more. But um, what do you enjoy talking about the most that you normally don't get an opportunity to talk about? And this will be the last question. In the marketing communications world or the investing world? You're allowed to take that anywhere you want. <laughs> I'll, give you, I'll give you one each. Sure. On, the, on the marketing side, I would say one of the m- most misunderstood areas is branding. And one of the most difficult conversations often to have is to tell people, you are supposed to use the F word talking about brand. And that word is feelings, is emotion. Okay. Great brands strike an emotional chord with your target audience. And until you get out of this rationalization of why somebody's going to buy your product, it's a better widget for this reason, it costs less, all of these things, I'm not saying they're not important and they play a role, but the way consumers make decisions, and this has been proven through research over and over again, is overwhelmingly through emotion first and then rationalization of that emotional decision. In fact, the most recent research work in that area is called We Are a Nation of Rationalizers. And the underlying finding is we make our decisions based on our emotion and then use rationality to legitimize the emotional feeling that we have. And to me, that makes 100% sense because if we were all incredibly rational people, Josh, you're wearing a great T-shirt. I should be wearing the same T-shirt because you got a great sense of style. And we think rationally. Why are we wearing different things? Why are we driving different cars? Why do we like different foods? Even sexual attraction. Why do different people get attracted to things? The Orioles. The Orioles. All of <laughs> all of these things. So my point is one of the things in marketing that I really wish uh, I could share more with people is branding has got to be about finding what is emotionally relevant and who is your primary, secondary, tertiary target audience and stop worrying about being cool or being liked by everyone. That's actually the death of a great brand. What your mom said, <laughs> if everybody loves you, nobody loves you. I hate hearing at a funeral, he was such a wonderful person. Everybody loved him. Well, if he stood for anything, I'm sure many, many people loved him, but there are probably some people who didn't agree with him because until you stand up for something, you're not going to have a strong brand. You're going to be what we call middle of the road. And what happens to people who play in the middle of the road? They get run over. On the venture side, I would say the thing that I love talking about the most is finding the entrepreneurial excitement. Because there are lots of people who have great ideas. There are lots of people who have IP. I think one of the most important things are finding those folks who have the entrepreneurial drive. Because great idea, great IP, 
even some good execution will get you so far. But when we find the great entrepreneur on top of that, who's hungry, and you can look for those personalities, and you can also help them in their early stages, they'll run through brick walls, you know, up all night, calling anybody, going anywhere, doing what's required. That's a special skill set. And I love to try and help people find that kind of talent. And I also like to try and be able to nurture it. And that's part of the joy for me at W Ventures is I get to work with those kind of people. We get to look for them. We get to invest in them. We have to help them achieve their dreams. And we help get a chance to help mentor them. I I would love to break that down more. Uh, If we had more time, maybe another one. But uh, as we do come to the end of the episode, I just want to give you an opportunity to mention uh, how people can find you and anything else that you'd like to end with. Sure. Um, Easy to find. Just come visit me on LinkedIn. Connect with me. I'm generally very open with uh, connections. And I'm also generally pretty good about responding to any questions people have through LinkedIn. Um, Also very easy to find online. On the marketing side, just go to www.thewagency.com. And on the W Venture side, also very easy. Just go to www.wventuresllc.com. Awesome. Uh, I thought there was a lot of valuable content in this. Uh, So thank you so much for coming on the show. Hopefully everyone learned something new today and gathered a few actionable steps on how to improve your own marketing efforts. And on that note, I hope you all have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much, Josh. Thanks for listening to the Masters in Marketing Agency podcast. I hope you got a ton of value out of this episode. And before we go, I just want to thank our sponsors, DevNoodle. DevNoodle provides marketing agencies with the ability to offer their clients unlimited website design, build, and management services with fixed monthly plans. If website design, development, and maintenance is holding your agency back from growing, please reach out to us at devnoodle.com where we make websites easy, easy for you and easy for your clients, devnoodle.com.